0: Let's go in-depth on Iowa State with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Cyclone Insider, powered by G-MIG's 5th Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Cyclone Insider off and rolling here on a Tuesday afternoon. We'll be here with you till 7 o'clock tonight, thanks to the Major League Baseball All-Star break and lots of stuff for us to get through. Tommy Burch in studio with me.
1: What's up, man? How are you? Not much. I just living the dream. We're still waiting for that
0: kid, right?
1: I think so. I haven't seen it. Yeah, well you'll be the
0: second to see it, I hope. I feel uh, ta- like I will. Randy Peterson is the guy that uh, drew did you draw the short straw to go to media days, Randy, or did you get the privilege of going to Media Days? How do you phrase it?
2: It's always a privilege of going to the of going to Big Twelve Media Days and thanks for having me on for a few minutes, guys. It's fine. I don't it doesn't matter. I've been to there are rarely any Nothing changes. Although we've got big news going on right now as we speak.
0: What, now, what as do you mean? What's the big news right now as we speak?
2: The guy talking right now is the new coordinator of officials for the Big Twelve Conference, and we have breaking news. Um, the pants this year in college football, the jersey, the, the the uniform pants must be below the knees. Whoa! No above the knees. This is a,
0: this is a game changer, Randy.
2: It's a game changer, and I don't. They haven't got to the crop top parts yet, but I think I don't know if belly buttons can be exposed.
0: Well, listen, if I don't think so, if telling guys they can't hit in the head means that eventually we're going to get rid of tackling, then this means oh. that eventually we're just going to put the guys in dresses out there.
2: What's going I, on? Thought this I'm was football, for, Randy? I'm all for flag football.
1: <laughs> so. it, were, it kind of reminds me of when I went to what you know the private Catholic uh, middle school and high schools I went to that they. They were really strict about dress code. you know you had to have your shirt tucked in if you on days you wore shorts, they could not be like past your knee or way up past your knee. So I wonder like how are they gonna enforce this? I somebody gonna be out on the sidelines like, Randy and the
0: important I, I think that yeah, this is really important how not only how they enforce it, but I didn't realize this was that big of a problem. I didn't think football players were wearing I didn't know football pants landed above the knee. Ever,
2: well, didn't Iowa get busted last year for something?
1: I can't remember. I don't remember. A yeah. player
2: got busted for having short, for having way too short of, of uniform pants. Maybe not. Man, above, Maybe not. above, I don't know.
0: That that just looked the like penalty.
2: shorts. I know. The pen- tight shorts. The penalty is you come out of the game um, for a play while you while you fix yourself, and then you go back in. What will unless, uh, fish, unless your team calls a timeout, then you can fix yourself and go back in um immediately for the next play okay
0: randy I, I asked chris this question yesterday he didn't have a real solid answer for it he kind of fished around for a little while what's the headline going to be from big 12 media days
2: <laughs> that's a great question because there isn't any um i guess maybe my biggest takeaway not iowa state takeaway yesterday was lincoln riley saying yeah we can win the national championship um um other than that, it's, it's, and I was with Bolsby last night for quite a while and we were talking about this very thing and, and, he, and I said to Bob, I said, Bob, this is boring. And he said, yeah, it's supposed, to, that's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, there's no expansion. Nobody's, you know, the Big 12's in as great a financial shape as it's, as it's ever been. The, the conference is flourishing. Um, um, you know, it's a must, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's, uh, um, I, I don't, I don't know if there was a huge a tremendous takeaway. I think I'm gonna go with Oklahoma, making Riley saying they're gonna win the national championship.
1: Randy, from an Iowa State perspective, I gotta imagine every year since you've been doing this, going to Big Twelve Media Days, this gotta be the most attention paid to the cyclones because it seems like from a national perspective, and if you're not an Iowa State reporter, there are so many storylines to hit on that you know, I I said not an Iowa State reporter because these are stories well known to us. But just the idea of you know Matt Campbell's rising stock, David Montgomery being one of the best running backs in the nation, Kyle Kemp's story from um, rising from almost nothing to one of the most talked about quarterbacks in the nation. Um, I gotta imagine the spotlight is shining on Iowa State more than it ever has at Big Twelve Media Day.
2: Well when, yesterday when, when they had their breakout sessions and you know how that goes, Tommy, they sit you know, they sit at at a their own little individual podium. Um, um away from, you know, everybody else. Matt Campbell was, had a crowd throughout his whole ninety minutes while he was there. He had a crowd. I mean a, a sizable crowd. In years back in the, the first year he was here in two thousand sixteen and I talked to him about this a little bit, towards the end of his session, maybe the last forty five minutes of his session, there was nobody there. I mean he was just looking at his cell phone during those times he was he was generally busy with with multiple reporters jamming microphones or jabbing microphones and and jamming microphones and tape recorders into his face throughout the whole 90 minutes and it probably could have gone longer so that's that's a big that's that's a big change david montgomery had a lot of people around him as well and he's um he was very very good i mean he's very good to interview he was you know these guys are, are, and you know this. I mean, these guys are are very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, at ease at this thing. They're very, they're very comfortable. I mean, this is they haven't been they haven't talked to us a whole lot. Um, so yeah, it's a chance for them to for them to kick back because the the season hasn't really started in earnest yet. So um, in that respect, yeah, it's good. And, and and Kyle Kemp was every bit of Kyle Kemp was actually he said. I said, what's changed for you? And he said, I'm learning to be a better speaker. I never thought he had a problem. <laughs>
1: That's great. I never
2: no, he had a problem. But, but yeah, he's still, and as Tommy knows, he'll be the second-best quarterback in the Big 12.
1: <laughs> yeah, the thing about Kyle Kemp is, you know, I, I agree with you, Randy. I think he's always been a good talker but not a great. And he never, I think last season, despite all the success he was not, that he was having, he never really spoke confidently. You know, he was very quiet calm um you could tell there were times where those large media media gatherings would happen and i think he felt a little overwhelmed but now that's that's probably a really good sign that okay hey he's ready for i guess the onslaught that's coming because he's no longer coming out of nowhere
2: right and he's got a backstory i mean the, the reporters non-local reporters needed to know about the coming back for the the, you know, getting his extra year of eligibility and, and, and things like that. So there he, I heard, I I was just poking my head into a little bit of when he was talking into the breakout session. A lot of people were talking to him about, about his, and you may know this, Tommy, and I don't, about the success of baseball program at his high school, Uh, because maybe they had like three draft choices or something. He played with Carson
1: Kelly, who, um, who is, is in the Cardinals minor, uh, minor league system. I think I don't know if he played high school baseball, but he I, I think little league baseball. At some point yeah. along the line, he played with Carson <laughs> Kelly.
2: He said there's at least three guys drafted from his high school all the time, every year in the, in the big baseball draft. I mean, that didn't really interest me, so I just kind of said, "Oh, cool," and just walked on. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, that's a, so that's that's the kind of.
0: I mean, Randy, course. that would be like that would be like if uh, you had a high school that had three kids go to Alabama every year. Okay. Uh, that okay. I mean, getting drafted out of high school is three a kids. Huge, getting three kids that that would be like yeah. yeah, If every year all of a sudden Roosevelt started turning out a pipeline to okay. Alabama, yeah.
2: Good point. Yeah. So maybe I guess maybe I should have paid attention. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: okay. Though. Randy, how about this? I think this is something Travis would want me to ask, and it goes back to the the conversation about there really being no headlines with this, and maybe the, a short backstory and then the question. Um, the 24 hour news cycle that we have 365 days a year with all of these college football programs, you and Tommy are, I mean, this is your job. You guys cover you you, every day. You're working on stories for the Cyclones and essentially the big 12. Mm -hmm. Has that made, has that made media days obsolete? Is it time to get rid of this, this process? Not at all. Okay. Okay
2: not at all this is this is a time where we can come together and and um you know we we've got Bob bolsby at our disposal whenever we want him We've got various people from from all walks of of of, of uh, um college football walks of life available to us um, hey, we can share re- ideas with other reporters that are here um and you've got you've got players from from you know the the star players from. From every Big Twelve team, and, and next week I think it's when's the Big Ten. Next week, whenever it is, um, you know you have the star players from the Big Ten, and so we can work on advanced story um, um, from from here. You know, talking to to opposing players about you know, talk to some of the Oklahoma players, for example, about about just you know why? Why did it? What, what are you thinking about right now after getting beat by Iowa State a year ago? You know, stuff like that, for example, which I'll pull out, you know, when it, is, it gets closer to the game. So you can work on advanced stuff. No, I think okay. I think that, it's very that, beneficial.
0: That really makes sense, Randy, And when you lay it out that way. Because at first I'm thinking, man, you know, Bullsby, there's a reason he wants it to be boring. And and they're not yeah, – I mean, exactly. last year – what was the th- story last year? You guys were getting on the plane, and all of a sudden he, he announced the championship game, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, they, was that last year or two years ago? I don't remember which year it was. Yeah, they, yeah, the championship game got announced. Um, yesterday, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what the, yesterday, yesterday, Bolsby said that at 3.30 in the afternoon that the NCAA will announce the site of the 2000 and something or other NCAA tournament and, and, or championships basketball. And, um, he thought that Dallas-Fort Worth had a good chance of getting it. And I don't even know how that turned out, by the way, but, but, yeah, so, I mean, stuff stuff does happen. But, yeah, I do remember we were we were at the airport when they said that the, the uh, conference championship game.
0: The, so. the drinking? There's
2: no expansion or anything.
0: How yep. about the drinking thing, Randy? Is that maybe the – that seems to be the thing that's gotten the most traction on Twitter, at least, for whatever barometer that is or metric.
2: The
0: drinking? Yeah, uh, that what, – what's the deal talking about the –
1: uh, Yeah, I think Bob Bowlesby basically kind of insinuated, hey, schools that oh, yeah, have the right. open-door policy – Yeah, yeah. Um, may have a drinking problem because you have so many fans. that are going out at yeah. halftime, binge drinking, and yeah, then he does, coming back.
2: Yeah, he, did, he did say that that uh, um, if he he he's you know he's in not endorsing, but he's he thinks that if you have yeah if you sell if you sell beer in in stadiums that no pass out, you can't go out in the parking lot and get smashed and then come back in. You do, if you're gonna get smashed, you're gonna do it in the stadium. Um, um, I I think I. You know I can see both sides of that deal, and this did not come up yesterday, but that's to me that's somewhat hypocritical but we talk about 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 bench drinking on campus, yet we're selling beer at at at, at football games. Um, you know I don't know I, I see I see both sides of that deal, but uh, um, yeah, that came up a little bit yesterday, and I asked about paying athletes and Bosby didn't seem too excited about that he said he said he said it's it's way too soon to even talk about that until there's some court case coming up in September. Um, And that seems to be the general opinion because I talked to some of the national people that are here and they said, let's just wait till September, see what happens with the court case. So I don't even know where that's going. But uh, eventually, I think the NCAA will then loosen its top button and say, okay, you can pay athletes.
1: uh, Here's one for you, Randy. I was watching um, Bob Bolesby's press conference Mm -hmm. and I I didn't see that, you know, I saw a sports gamble and got brought up, but did anybody ask him? about possible injury reports coming for the yeah. big 12 because oh, wow. I saw the SEC their commissioner said uh, you know with yeah. sports gambling coming that that could pay, that's probably paving the way for teams having to issue uh, weekly injury reports what does yeah, we I'm, have to say about that am
2: I right about and I'm gonna write about that this week after I get back but yeah um, and he brought up a good point he said he said um, there's 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 a few ways you can do it you can just say that this guy Um, will be out and not say why you can say that this guy is going to be questionable and and i think he threw a third in there but i can't remember it but um um, he said he said there nobody's going to get specific on that joe blow is out with a knee injury or or that ross is out with a broken arm or that tommy's out you know with a headache or or you know or, or heather's got a got a sprained ankle um that's they're not going to do that because of HIPAA and FERPA and all that stuff. You may find out whether somebody's playing, but you're not going to, somebody's playing or not, but you're not going to find out why because of, of, of the HIPAA and FERPA and all that stuff that protects um, um, uh, student, students. So, yeah, that that came up a little bit. Um, but he said there's going to be, have to be more exploration and more um, examination of, of that before it's, <laughs> it uh, comes. And in any way, gambling is, is still a ways off. Uh, for some people, anyway. So
1: I just assume coaches are lying to us about injuries all the time. Anyway, <laughs> I think I think
2: you can say I think you can say that's true um, in more than fifty percent of the of the time. At least I, I have never come through, uh, never covered a coach that that was completely one hundred percent forthcoming about about injuries. So yeah, I think I think that's a pretty blanket statement you can make and make it accurately.
0: Is that a good thing, Randy? That they would have injury reports.
2: Yeah, I, I think so because if you're going to have gambling, you're going to, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have have um, um, guys, you know, big time gamblers. Yeah, here's and, the thing, Randy. Saying managers or something. I don't, managers or I don't think I'll buy that. There's trainers.
0: I don't think I'll buy that. There is a correlation because there's big time gambling happening right now, and you don't right. have you don't have okay. those injury reports. So I think that's kind of a weird. thing. You don't thing.
2: have those injury reports public. Yeah, right. That how great you know point. That, how do you know that a big time gambler? How do you know that a big time gambler isn't paying a a student trainer or a student manager um, of of a team?
0: That stuff that stuff always gets Randy. That's a that's a fair point because you always hear that stuff Saturday morning. You know that uh, a line is moving because of these reasons that right. happens behind the line behind the scenes. Okay, yeah,
2: exactly, and it does happen. Don't get yourself. Yeah. It does happen.
0: Randy, thanks a lot for giving us time, man. Travel safe on your way back home. Hopefully, you guys get some sort of bombshell here today that uh, you know you get to, you get front page. Hope I see Randy Peterson on the front page tomorrow with some bombshell from the Big Twelve.
2: Bill Snyder retires.
0: <laughs> Never. Right,
2: watch out for Never. that. <laughs>
0: Never. Thanks. All right, guys, thanks. Thanks, Randy. Talk to you soon, buddy. All right, Tommy. Uh, same question to you. I guess you maybe had a second to think about it. Is it the drinking thing? What's the if Randy has to write a book about the 2018 Big 12 Media Days, what's the title of
1: the book? It, it might be. It, uh, to me, it's, you know, the drinking thing has always been there. You could have had that conversation last Media Day, the Media Day before, and the Media Day before that. To me, it would be Big 12 Media Days, the evolution of sports gambling, because oh, there, this is yeah, something that's new that's coming up, and these are real life questions that need to be answered and to me the most intriguing thing is there are so many questions are still up in the air and gambling on sports is rapidly coming is coming really fast legalized legalized sports gambling I think that we
0: when we're having this conversation man I would love to be down there with Bullsby and these head coaches and these athletic directors as they're kicking this stuff around because I have a feeling there's so much like this stuff going on, you know, like Randy. Well, once once gambling starts hitting our sport, it's hit your sport. They're, yeah, it's, it's already there. It's, there. it's no
1: longer uh, swept under the carpet or done, uh, you know, in back rooms. Everybody you know? knows it's... I'm
0: pretty cynical about the way athletic departments are operated, the way that the NCAA influences. I do see this from a very cynical side. I see this as a way for them to kind of extend the con. That, you know, well, hey, now we have to put another person on salary. We got to pay another person $150,000 to put out a sheet every week.
1: Yeah, it's going to be more than <laughs> one says, person. Yeah,
0: that says, we. this is our injury report. Way to go. This is what you've done to us. Now you've forced us into paying another
1: $300,000 in salary. He, he, he. But it will <laughs> not be the student athletes who are getting paid. Absolutely not. It'll I mean, be. It's, uh, yeah. But, you know, you. Uh, i I don't have to be at Big Twelve Media Day to know what the conversation is like amongst coaches and administrators. I've already talked to enough of them to get a pretty good understanding of what the entire landscape for the most part might be I mean coaches um and administrators they don't want it. they hate it. you know this is another way to um you know maybe influence games. It's added pressure from their uh, viewpoint to student athletes. It's all that I think the actual players really don't give a crap. Yeah, that and much. I would
0: say to, again, in I would say to all of those guys, you missed that boat. Yeah, that, exactly. That ship
1: sailed. I think it, it, you know when it comes to pressure and stuff like that. I think yeah, it's just. Maybe it just adds a little bit more, but look, pressure's always there, whether it's to keep your starting spot, keep your scholarship, knowing that people are already betting, the pressure of fans, all that stuff, media. Look, uh, it's, to me, it's just one more thing. And, um, I, I really don't think that the, the actual players are going to care that much about, um, their games being bad on. No. They're going to hear about it more. I think friends, um, you think so? You know, I, I I guarantee guys on the team, their friends are going to be talking to them about lines moving, stuff like that. You don't think, I think that
0: ha- that's my point, though, Tommy? I think all that happens now.
1: I think it's going to happen even more now because I think I think there are a lot of college kids that just don't know where to go to place bets. You know.
0: And now it's going to be more, since it's it will be, be you could more easily it, accessible. Yeah, you can do it on, on your cell your phone. phone. That's, yeah, so. if, if, if Representative Highfield gets his way, yeah, you'll I be think, doing it from your phone.
1: Yeah, and not to say that there aren't college kids that are already gambling. I think there are a lot, but now I think it's just going to be so much more, more easily, okay, so much so, more accessible.
0: So then what what role needs to be created, or what role does the football team, what does Matt Campbell have to do? What does he now owe his players now that this is an added pressure, distraction, whatever.
1: I mean, the best thing you can really do is educate them on, hey, maybe some of the outside influencers that could be coming and stuff like that. But it's like you said, these are all conversations that probably already take place within those walls. Mm -hmm. Now there's a little bit more prevalent, just a little bit more out there. And I think if you aren't already preparing your players for just that aspect of the game and the business, then – you're probably doing a bad job.
0: I would also want to add one thing to the drinking note that I, I and I should have clarified this with Pete a little bit or let him clarify because I, I felt like he kind of crossed and blurred those lines. And again, I think this same thing happens when they're having these conversations at high levels. Drinking in stadiums is a fix to binge drinking. They are not, they are not tied, they are opposites of each other. It's amazing, actually. That yeah. that when what we're tr- binge drinking means you're not just doesn't mean drinking a lot of beer means drinking a lot of beer in a short period of time or alcohol is a better way to say it, and that is what's the really dangerous thing. I've told the story, Tommy, and it's, not, it's it's not something I'm proud of at all, and it's one of my bad memories at Kinnick because it was my turn to drive home. My friends and I, at the beginning of the year, we had six of us that were season ticket holders, so we would all pick a game that we were going to. one of us was going to have to drive home for, and that you had to be sober that day to get the van home and get your five buddies back to their house. I think that's okay? a fair thing. <laughs> it was great. It was a wonderful system. I got the Michigan game one year when it was a night game, and it was a, a good deal. And I mean, not that you couldn't have a beer right yeah. throughout the day. So as I'm walking to the game, this lady came up to me, and she had, I'd never heard of, hot apple pie. And it's like an Everclear drink. Well, I didn't know that. I I didn't know this. And it was, it wasn't boiling hot. It was just kind of warm. I took like a cup of this stuff and walked in and drank this as I was walking in and thought, man, that was really good stuff. Well, fast forward to the end of the game. Who's the drunkest of the six guys at the game? It's Little Ross. (laughs) Now, and that was a binge drinking moment where I, I, I drank too much too fast and I got really drunk and got out of control. And I, not that I was loose or anything like that, but I, but I couldn't drive home, certainly. So if, the, if, if alcohol is allowed to be purchased in stadiums, the theory is that you'll get less people that are chugging hot apple pie out in the parking lot and they will come in and then now you're looking at $7 beers or $8 beers. Nobody's going through 15 of those throughout the course of a game. But it is possible if you let people go out to the parking lot that a kid will go out and put four or five beers into a beer bong or he and, he, he and his buddies will shotgun a couple of beers and do a few shots that's the binge drinking that they're trying to prevent, and that's where the that's what the the conversation should be. Is we have alcohol on campus, we're letting people drink out in the parking lot, and we. I had this conversation with Jamie Pollard one time, and 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 I don't think my, from my conversation with Jamie, I don't think they're ever selling alcohol inside Jack Trice Stadium. No, while Jamie, Jamie Pollard and,
1: and Jamie has been pretty adamant, adamant about it for a long time, and if you listen to all his interviews or if you continue to have an ongoing conversation with him, he hasn't diverted no. from his stance one bit whatsoever. It, it, to him, selling alcohol inside the stadium, outside the Sukup end zone, or um, the the suites near the press box, selling alcohol outside of those areas is opening up Pandora's box yep. in his eyes. Yeah,
0: and and a lot of people will talk about the money side of it. It's not enough. You're not talking about a huge amount of money that's still sitting on the table because they're not selling beer. And Jamie looks at it as you're affecting that family atmosphere. You're right now. Jack Trice is a very open spot, literally and figuratively, where you can come in there with your kids and your family, and everybody should feel welcome and have a good time. And, and you're he, selling it out already. I think absolutely. Jamie. Jamie and, and you do is. have the
1: areas that you can buy into where you where that's allowed if it's yeah. that important to you. Yeah, Jamie also looks at it from that standpoint look we're selling that stadium out people are coming why do i need to do anything that could risk that or change that or um like you said alter the effect of that family type atmosphere
0: look Tommy, we just took how many stories out of the big 12 media days boom and we still haven't really talked about iowa state do you want to talk about Iowa State? Is that what we're supposed to do here on Cyclone Insider? We can talk about Iowa I State. I would imagine there's some football stuff you want to tackle with me and then some hoops news, even former hoops news, right? Because you want to talk about Naz and, uh, and George. Yeah, big week for them. Man, pretty cool stuff. We'll try to get to all of that. The Hawkeye is hanging out here, but Tommy will keep me in line for this last half hour. Thanks for listening to Cyclone Insider here on 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about Iowa State, it's Cyclone Insider, with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-MIG's 5th Street Pub, on 1460 KXNO. All well, along with Cyclone Insider, you do have uh, not the right Station here. This is Ross Peterson, the Hawkeye fan. But every now and again, I get lucky enough to dive into the Cyclone world, and I have to hold the hand of my friend Tommy Burt so I don't get into the deep water. Or when I do get into the deep water, he can keep me afloat. We're going to get into the deep water here now, man, because... We didn't talk to Randy at all in that first segment about uh, depth chart, and that was, that was one of the things on a cyclone level. That might have been the biggest thing that came out of this these last three days, right?
1: Yeah. First uh, depth chart we've had since, I think, um, may have been since the Liberty Bowl, and a lot of change since then. So. Um, a lot of questions got answered, still some battles that are taking place. But we'll say this, out of every Big 12 media day that's taken place under Matt Campbell's watch, I think this depth chart probably has uh, the least amount of question marks going in. I mean, Tommy, the, the one thing
0: that jumps out at me, and this is probably not the place to start this conversation, but I think that this is a, the, the most indicative thing of... what Matt Campbell has done to this roster, how much this talent has turned over on this team. If you would have three years ago taken anybody in this state and said, hey, Mike Warren's going to be with the Cyclones for the next four years, and his senior year, he's going to be the fourth running back on the depth chart. You would have thought he had a huge injury, (laughs) huge falling out. It's not the case, Tommy. I think that, am I wrong about that? That to me it shows what Matt Campbell has done with this roster the most. The guy that was the star of this team offensively when he took over is your fourth running back on the depth chart.
1: Yeah, Mike Warren was the face of the program at one point, and I think Mike Warren and was the deservingly so, great yeah, freshman year. You rush for 1,000 yards. You, you're getting all those accolades for a reason. And I think Mike Warren was one of the guys we used to talk to down at Big 12 Media Day. Now – you you look at who the face of this Iowa State program is, and Randy Peterson wrote this column, is it's David Montgomery. And I think you're right. That kind of epitomizes where this program was and where it's at now, where not only David Montgomery, you look at if something happened to David Montgomery, yes, I think that would be catastrophic. That's horrific. I mean, David Montgomery is going to be the lifeline of that offense and that team. But you look up and down that depth chart, man, there are some options behind David Montgomery. Your season is not completely lost if David Montgomery goes down. You've got Kane Nawangu, who there are a ton of high hopes for, who's coming off an injury. You've got Sheldon Crony Jr., who filled in very well when David Montgomery went down last year. You've got Mike Warren, who you mentioned, thousand yard rusher, who has kind of fallen off the map a little. But hey, it's amazing he's still with the program. And then Johnny Lang is probably the most intriguing of the of all the guys as this kind of blue chip uh prospect uh who's from Florida, got into a little bit of trouble, uh lost all his scholarship offers, uh, and then got a second shot with Iowa State. And he has been one of the most talked-about running backs in that room and had to redshirt last season. So all those guys you would feel pretty confident in handing the ball off to if something happened to David Montgomery. Granted, they're not going to do what David Montgomery would do if something happened. Nobody can do what David Montgomery does. He is possibly the greatest running back in the nation right now. But there are options, and I think – We've also talked about this kind of same scenario, also, or kind of same topic, when it comes to the quarterback room. That quarterback room, for years uh, under Paul Rhodes, we would always be like, okay, you know, man, it, it could be this quarterback, it could be that quarterback, and what's kind of that saying? If you've got two or three quarterbacks, you don't have one quarterback, and I think that was kind of the problem when it came to Iowa State. We're now. That room is fully stocked of talent where you've got Kyle Kemp as the starter. I don't think it's going to stay that way forever. But Zeb Nolan is a guy that they feel very, very highly about. Rial Mitchell, true freshman, is a guy who's going to see playing time
0: somewhere on the field, not necessarily a quarterback. Yep.
1: And then Brock Purdy, who's probably going to redshirt. but Purdy
0: could be, but you could still see him in four games.
1: Possibly. Yeah. But that's, those two positions kind of epitomize just, man, how far the program's come because Matt Campbell hasn't gotten just fixes at these positions. He's gotten a tremendous amount of depth too.
0: All right, Tommy, let's move through this. Uh, maybe let's start up front with the offensive line and the way it looks right now. At center, you've got, uh, junior Julian Good Jones. Right side of the line is, is it, uh, Josh Neifel? Kniffle. Kniffle, and then Bryce Meeker.
1: Yep. And there are some kind of question marks when you look around that because um, also kind of the last spot that you hadn't mentioned left was left tackle with Sean Foster. He's listed as the starter, but I don't necessarily know if that's going to be the case. Kind of the wild card of all those names you mentioned was Julian Good-Jones because it does list a battle at center with Julian Good-Jones or Colin Newell. Julian Good-Jones is not battling for a starting spot. That's where kind of the misleading part of the depth chart is where Julian Good-Jones is going to be a starter. He can play guard. He can play tackle. He can play center. He is the most versatile member of that offensive line. The key is where's Julian Good-Jones going to be playing? Is he going to be playing left guard? Is he going to be playing left tackle? Because... His versatility opens up a spot for Colin Newell, that redshirt freshman who he's, quote unquote battling with on the depth chart at center, and they love Colin Newell. Colin Newell will be playing substantial snaps this season.
0: So, so Newell at center, Julian Good Jones, then maybe at left guard. Possibly is that right, yeah, right now? I mean, I looking think at the depth so chart, that, to- that's your weakest position. I mean, I'm not trying to, but you've got two. Or is posted there. Josh Mueller or Will Wyndham or Ogie?
1: Yeah. Yeah, to me, that's probably the biggest question. I mean, the whole left side is probably okay. the the biggest question mark because – yeah, you know, Sean Foster got some playing time last season, but... And you, um, you mentioned that earlier, that you,
0: that's maybe not a lock-in either, and they, yeah. do, they don't they do have an or with Robert Hudson. Is Hudson the guy that you would see at left tackle?
1: Or? No, I could see Good-Jones. Okay. I mean, Good-Jones could slide into one either left guard or left tackle, and that bumps up Colin Newell to the starting center. So. To me, it's going to be, okay, do they have a lot of faith in Colin Newell to take over the starting spot, which I think they're getting to that point. And if they do, then um, Good Jones can slide out somewhere else because he is going to have a starting spot. It's just kind of a matter of where. The
0: wide receiver core is stacked. I think this is, I I still think, in a way, underrated. I was shocked when we talked to Phil Steele a couple weeks ago. He didn't have the Iowa State wide receivers in his top fifty of wide receiver groups, and that just seemed. And when I mentioned that to him, he did even said maybe it was an oversight. This is a really talented group of receivers.
1: Yeah, it's easy to do because you look up and down Iowa State's wide receiver core, and they lose three of their top four wide receivers from last year. Most notably, Alan Lazard, who was one of the faces of the program last season. So it's easy to look at that core and be like, oh, man, they lost a ton. But they've always had a ton in that room. For years, we're always talking about how are they going to spread out the ball? How is everybody going to kind of get their love? And kind of, you know, obviously the leader in that room is going to be Akeem Butler. My thought with Hakeem Butler was if Hakeem Butler was playing as much as he is now as a freshman and that has nothing to do with talent that just has everything to do with the fact that he was in a loaded room if he was playing as much as he could have been as a freshman didn't have alan lazard behind you know in front of him and would stay for all four years you'd be talking about a keen butler possibly breaking alan lazard and todd Boyce receiving records but that's the situation that Akeem Butler's in. He's had always loaded wide receivers. And let's be honest, he may not stick around all four years. He probably, besides David Montgomery, has as much pro potential as anybody because six foot six, 225 pound wide receivers, that definitely plays the part in the NFL. So Akeem Butler's going to be the guy in that room. But man, Deshante Jones, he's now a junior. Everybody was raving about now, him as a freshman. Tell
0: me, re- he's a true junior, too. He's yeah, he played a, he, as a true okay, freshman. Yeah.
1: But the thing is, two years ago, everybody was talking about what a great story he was playing as a true freshman, having as big of an impact as he did. But then last year, he was kind of the guy that got lost in the shuffle of all those numbers because you had Lazard, you had Trevor Ryan, you had uh, all these other options where... It, it It's not saying that Deshante Jones had a down year. It's just saying that Iowa State had so many other options where I think come this season, we're going to be talking about Deshante Jones a lot more kind of along the lines that we did his freshman year. So, Tommy, when we get back, let's move to the defensive
0: side of the ball and we'll kind of break down that depth chart real quick and then we can talk a little bit about basketball. I know there's a, a few hoop stories that you wanted to bring to the table today. We're on till 7 o'clock tonight. All-Star Game will be starting right at 7 when Tommy and I sign off. Tommy and I are probably just going to fire it up here in the studio. Crack a few, <laughs> hang out. Just watch the All-Star Game. Or you got to do iCubs. No. no, I can watch oh, it. Oh, man. We might have a baby in the studio here. Let's find out what happens. It's going to get crazy tonight. Cyclone Insider will wrap up next. You're on 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about Iowa State, it's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-MIG's 5th Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Wrapping up Cyclone Insider here on 1460 KXNO, all-star game getting ready for first pitch here in about ten minutes, Tommy. We I guess while we're on here for a second, did
1: you watch Home Run Derby last night? Did you enjoy it? Oh, I watched the heck out of it. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was the most uh, fun I had watching a Home Run Derby since the steroid era. I have heard a
0: lot of people say that same thing. That's not why we're here. We'll do that Friday. We'll talk baseball and all sorts of stuff on the call up. But uh, today we're we're focusing on cyclones. We got through the most of that offensive side. Of this depth chart. And in these last couple minutes, Tommy, I'd like to talk a little bit about this defense. And then maybe we can mention George and uh, and Naz also. Where should we focus on this defense? Should we start with the defensive backfield? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah this, I, I'd like, I, I think that s- seems like because are there more questions back there? I mean, you, obviously you've got PV and Payne that are going to kind of be your your starters out on the edge. Is it going to be is it Greg Ellsworth and Lawrence White? Those are your starters at safety?
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the probably the the safety spots are kind of the biggest question marks, yeah. but I think I was state fans. Feel pretty good going into the season knowing, hey, Iowa State kind of got a sneak peek of what life was going to be like without Kamari Khan Moya and Everett Edwards because they're both suspended for the Liberty Bowl and they had guys like Lawrence White, uh, and Braxton Lewis filled in really well, but Eyesworth and, uh, and Ruth and White are kind of going to be the guys that uh, are gonna get the, uh, the bulk of the playing time at the safety spots. Now, Eisworth is a real interesting guy. He's a guy that went to Ole Miss, went to a Juco and then transferred, but, um, he's been on campus even before the spring game, gotten a lot of reps. I think he is kind of the, the safe choice, but they, they do see something in Braxton Lewis there too. So that could be a battle that transpires eventually, uh, once the season progresses, but right now, those other spots are kind uh, Demonte Ruth and Lawrence White. Can, can uh, Canate mm-hmm. uh, Jones, that's Deshante's brother, um, could also battle for for that starting spot at some point too. Yeah, he
0: true. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman. Redshirt one of the kids freshman, that'll yeah.
1: battle with. Uh, you're thinking Demonte Ruth? Yeah, possibly. Okay.
0: And then at the linebacker spot, uh, obviously Spears, uh, the the guy that will. He's the, what do you call him?
1: He's the brick in the middle? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had a breakout season last year. And the crazy thing is two years, uh, two years ago, a season before last season, he was a guy that barely got any playing time. The most playing time he got was on special teams. And I think he got in the Kansas game a little bit and everybody plays during the Kansas game usually, <laughs> but he, um, he had that breakout season, that huge game against Iowa, just kind of carried it on. Probably the biggest thing at those linebacker spots is finding Joel for replacement. I think they have with a Ryan Vance, the Cedar Rapids kid. They have raved about him. He is a kid that possibly, I th- I think, if that redshirt role had been in place last season, he would have gotten more playing time. He would have gotten playing time as a true freshman and ended up redshirting.
0: Let's talk about that defensive front. Chris has talked a bunch about this, about this is, for the first time in a long time, they feel really confident with this defensive line, and they should. Uh, Ray Lima, uh, that we, we you know referring to bricks in the middle, that's the real thing right there.
1: Yeah, he might be the most underrated part of that Iowa State defense because you look at everything that Joel Wanning accomplished last season. Hey, Joel Wanning did a phenomenal job. That's a that's a great story, but Ray Lima should get a lot of that credit too because he was taking on. Two you know, two defenders at times and opening up some clear uh tackling lanes for Joel Lanning. So uh Rain Lima might be the most underrated part of that Iowa State defense.
0: Uh, Jaquan Bailey out on the end. You have uh, Jamal Johnson, who's also expected to be a plug in the
1: middle. Yeah, and then yeah. kind of the other spot, we kind of thought there would be kind of a big battle between Any and Matt Leo at that def- other defensive end spot. It still might be. I don't think Matt Leo is going to start, but I do think he's going to see substantial playing time because you look at him, six seven two seventy six. I think he's bigger than that. He is a huge... Huge Australian human being who <laughs> just wakes up and I think eats trucks for breakfast, <laughs> so uh the thing is he it 's like I say he 's an Australian dude who grew up playing rugby he 's still learning football, but the raw physical nature that he possesses once you get that synced up with the football knowledge, he could be a very very good player. They list Kanae Nw- <clears throat> excuse me, they list Nuwangu as the kick
0: returner, but Punt returner is still a TBA.
1: Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I I could see that possibly being Kenean Wangu or a guy like DeAndre Payne who plays defense who can kind of be a jack-of-all-trades guy. But this is where you really miss a guy like Trevor Ryan and even Alan Lazard, too. I mean, both those guys did... A lot of really good things on special teams. but And it is a very important part of Iowa State because you go back and you watch everything that Iowa State did last season. It was very small things that they had success on. Special teams, field position was huge in really setting up that defense uh, to perform really well. Tommy, we've got about four minutes left here. Is that enough time
0: for us to, to touch on basketball oh, yeah. for a minute? Okay. This was kind of cool news for Cyclone fans. I saw a lot of people react on this on Twitter. Uh this is this is a neat thing that Cyclone fans still stay connected to these basketball players for at least a couple of years after they go on. First of all, Deontay Burton got uh was, was he got a two accolades. way contract. Yep. So now Burton and then Naz and George both end up with the same club.
1: Yeah. And they had been, you know, they were both kind of bouncing between the NBA and the, the G League last season. Kind of the funny thing is at one point when Nas got his first contract, he got replaced in the NBA by George. Remember, it's it's really cool to see both those guys together. And it's really amazing to go back and look at that roster and see you had at one point, George Niang, Nas Long, Abdul Nader, Deontay Burton, all four of those guys are on serious contracts in the NBA. Nader with the Celtics, and Deontay Burton is a guy that may stick around now. So, man, there are some really talented players. And then you have Matt Thomas, who's playing overseas and making some pretty good coin, too. And I
0: think Matt did like uh, doing like shooting camps and stuff like that, I believe. I think so, Uh, yeah. 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 So,
1: I mean, and (laughs) then the other guy we didn't mention, the most obvious, too, Monte Morris. I mean... Had a fantastic summer league, is probably grabbing that last roster spot. So, uh, I, I mean, man, to think about the talent that Fred Hoiberg brought in there and helped develop, and Steve Prom should get some credit too. Absolutely. Because you look at how Deontay Byrne and Monte Morris really took their games up a notch. The most intriguing one to me is Nazmi Truong. I never, ever, ever, ever would have thought he'd be an NBA guy. And not only is he an NBA guy, but he's a guy that's had some success playing in the pro levels in the United States.
0: Why did you think Naz wouldn't be the guy?
1: I just didn't think he had the size, the versatility, or really the complete skill set because now... If you're playing in the NBA, you gotta be able to do a lot of things. You can't just be a shooting guard or a point guard. You gotta be a point guard. If you're that going can score. to be,
0: if you're gonna be, you have to be a Steph Curry level, yeah, shooter.
1: And yeah. and Nas, you know, has some elite shooting, but now, you know, at the end of his Iowa State career, you really saw his game evolve, where he's taking the ball to the hoop. He was defending better. Still I just I I didn't know if he could be an NBA guy so it's it's amazing.
0: Cool to see George also. That I loved the highlights of him. I just always thought his game was one that would could transition. I don't know if it will. It could transition into the NBA and I loved seeing some of those highlights of him ha- kind of reclaiming that magic that we saw in college. That's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, and George is the type of guy that's going to stick around the NBA for a long time not just because of versatility but that locker room presence, super likable guy, friendly guy. Um, teams want to have him in their locker room.
0: All right, Tommy, what, uh, what, what should we be looking forward to here in the next week? You got something brewing?
1: Yeah, I got a big, uh, feature story that should be running here in the next couple of days. Um, I think that's kind of TBD, but, uh, so I don't know how much I can kind of give out on that, but uh, we have a lot of good stuff well, coming well, I mean, from Randy. Tell too.
0: me, is it coming in the sports section? Is it? Yeah, you know, am it I going to find it in Iowa Life? No, no we...
1: <laughs> yeah, it should be coming in the in the sports section. Okay. It's about an Iowa State football player. I will say it's about an Iowa State football player. We briefly for a few seconds oh, talked my about goodness in the offense or defense offense.
0: Oh, Tommy, I
2: love Jesus.
0: All right, we'll be back at it tomorrow morning. Heather and Travis will kick things off at 6 a.m. I'm sure Sean will be along if he answers the alarm. Then uh, Murph and Andy at 2. We'll come back at 4 o'clock tomorrow. Mitch Widmer going to fill back in. He'll step in for Chris. Uh, Chris, one more day off for him tomorrow. Then he'll be back with us Thursday at El Bait Shop. We will talk to you tomorrow here on 1460 KXNO.